It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And it's Tuesday, and we're going to take one last look back at the Green Bay Packers' 34-31 victory over the Dallas Cowboys, which sends them to next week's NFC Championship game at Atlanta. But before I get rolling, I'd like to remind you to please check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network, which is the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. We have Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL Draft, and Locked On Falcons to get you ready for Sunday's game. And, of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview. Got a story up on Mason Crosby's big day. And sort of in tune with the world's best preview, a story about how, just how battle-tested these guys have become. All right, let's get going. First down, we look at Green Bay's offense. Second down, Green Bay's defense. Third down, special teams. And fourth down, a few odds and ends as we take a quick look ahead to Sunday's NFC title game against the Falcons. But first, it is first down. The Packers scored 34 points against a defense that ranked fifth in the league with 19.1 points per game. Green Bay had 21 points after three possessions. This offense has been unstoppable. Look who they've beaten during a stretch. Seattle, Houston, Minnesota, New York, Dallas, all teams with top 10 scoring defense. I think Philadelphia finished 11th, if you want to throw them into the mix, too. These guys have beaten the heck out of every defense that's crossed their path, and now they're going to face an Atlanta defense that isn't very good. Rodgers, 28 out of 43, 356 yards, Two touchdowns, one interception, a 96.7 pass rating. The one interception proves that he is human. I think we kind of forget that sometimes. He'd gone 318 attempts between interceptions, the second longest streak in NFL history. Interception was a costly one, too. If you go back and look, it's 28-13. to 13. Green Bay's got the ball on the fringe of field goal range. Actually, they were in field goal range based on what Crosby did later in the game. If they kick a field goal there, it's 31-13. to It's a three-score game. Lights out in Dallas. Instead, Riders, he had Devontae Adams open for a possible touchdown up the sideline. Just didn't throw a very good ball. How many times have we said that the last eight weeks? Rodgers didn't throw a very good ball. Probably, probably zero, right? So, so a costly interception there. But, I mean, otherwise, just, just an absolute clinic, once again, for the Packers quarterback. We talked about this last week. How will they overcome the loss of Nelson? And I said, 
on this podcast, and I said on like 58 radio shows I did last week, they'll be fine. It's not ideal, but they'll be fine. And I pointed to the Giants game where they scored all those, you know, basically, well, not basically, I mean, they scored every point in that Giants game without Nelson. And they did, and they played well in the Detroit game, that first series against the Lions game where everybody but Nelson and Cobb and Adams scored. I mean, they found... They, on that opening touchdown, they, they gave, gave the ball to everybody else, their quote-unquote other guys, and they scored a touchdown. They have a lot of ways to move the ball, and that was evident on Sunday. Jared Cook, six catches, 104 yards, a long of 36. Randall Cobb, seven catches, 62 yards, a long of 25. Devontae Adams, five catches, 76 yards, a long of 26. Geronimo Allison, three catches, 46 yards, a long of 32. Richard Rodgers, one catch, 34 yards, a 34-yard touchdown. That's six passing plays of 25-plus yards. You go back to the first game against Dallas, which I did about 20 minutes ago. Rodgers completed one pass of 25 yards, and it was a 25-yarder to Nelson. So they went from one big play to six in a passing game. And then they got just enough running game, which has kind of been the story here. They're not going to run to win. They run it just well enough. Keeps defenses a little bit off balance. Maybe it provides a little bit of a breather for the receivers. Tom Montgomery, 11 carries, 47 yards. Added six catches for 34 yards for an 81-yard day. Fullback Aaron Ripkowski. Well, excuse me, Montgomery also had two touchdowns. I probably probably shouldn't ignore that fact. He ran well. Um, he He ran better than he has the last few weeks, I thought. Broke some tackles, um, turned zero-yard gains into 15 by getting around the corner. Um, made guys miss in the open field. That was the Montgomery that we saw against Chicago. Maybe not quite to that extent, obviously, yardage-wise, but good game there. Rupkowski, four carries, 24 yards, and along a 20. Aaron Rodgers, two carries for 16 yards. I go back to that second and one, just before the two-minute warning. Looks like a read option, and he and he ended up keeping it around the corner. And I, whether it is a read option or not, or if it's just a, a a good fake, who knows? But he's run that play a few times now, and you, you, you start to think there's something brewing there. There's going to be a pass coming on that play. There's some sort of um, some sort of complement to that Rogers run, where they're setting up something for a big play later. That's just just my hunch there. Conspicuously absent from the game plan, running back Kristen Michael. Not even did he have any carries. He didn't play a single snap on offense. So a non-factor there. Offensive line, of course, great again. The, three, the Cowboys had three sacks, all by defensive backs, so generally those are not charged to the O-line. Left tackle David Bakhtiari basically shut out uh, the, the Cowboys' leading sacker, Benson Mayoa. And last year's league sacker to Marcus Lawrence. They got absolutely nowhere against Balaga or against Bakhtiari. Right tackle Brian Balaga. Great game as well. Um, you go back to that first matchup, David Irving, like a 6'7, 285-pound guy. He was a menace. He forced three fumbles, recovered a couple of them. He was an unsung hero, one of the best guys in the field that day. Nothing against Balaga. So, Balaga, so the offensive tackle has been great all year. They're going to have to be great again on Sunday. Terrific game against the, against the Cowboys. Again, the Cowboys' D-line is not very good, let's be honest. But 
you know, you take the crowd, the crowd in, into it, and you know, Rod Marinelli, Rod Marinelli, the defensive coordinator, is a pretty complicated scheme. They handled all that with ease. You know, the one thing that worries you, and that would that be Montgomery. He got, he was beaten physically for a sack by Barry Church, and then he was late picking up. Uh, I believe it's Jeff Heath on the uh, sack and near strip at the end of the game. He's got to get better. He just does, and. And that's where him being a receiver comes into play. I mean, he's just, look, it's not his fault that he's not great at this, you know. And knowing knowing how he is and his work ethic, I would think he'll be a much, much better player in that phase of the game next year. But, I mean, I would expect the Falcons to, if he's in the lineup on passing downs, I would expect the Falcons to attack, attack, attack. And I think Marinelli did to some extent, too, where I mean, his blitz rate for the year is about 20%, and he was, on my count, a little bit over one third of the snaps he blitzed on Sunday, and, and you know maybe some of that was just because he didn't want to get picked apart by Rodgers. But some of that I think was because Montgomery's in the game, and, it, and that is the weakness of that offense is is his blitz protection. But still, a, a terrific game by Montgomery, an all-world game by Rodgers. We'll get into the play in just a second here. Um, but at first, if, if you do, you run a business. If your company is interested in men between ages 18 and 54, then your company could be advertised right here in the show. Our audience is 97% men, and 79% of our audience is between the ages of 18 to 44. Recent surveys have shown that podcast listeners are 65% more willing to consider purchasing products they learn about from podcasts, and 60% give an equal price and quality prefer to purchase from companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. Our rates are reasonable. Email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. That is packwriter2002 at yahoo.com for more information. All right, the 36-yard pass to Jared Cook. He plays going to go down into legendary status in Green Bay history. And on our post-game podcast with Keith on Sunday night, he had a really, really good point there. When you walk from outside the media auditorium, there's a set of double doors that walk down to the locker room, and in that hallway leading to the locker room, there's gigantic pictures of some of the best plays in Packers history. You know, there's the the sneak is in there. There's uh, Al Harris on the pick six against Seattle's in there. Um, God, Richard Nixon opening Lambeau Field. I mean, some of the great moments in, in Packers history are there. Maybe Jared Cook will be there too, or Rich, or a montage of, of Rodgers rolling out and throwing it and Cook catching it. A legendary call. So how did this happen? I'm still not entirely sure. Uh, Coach Mike McCarthy was asked about it on Monday, and basically it seems like in situations like that, there's a menu of things for riders to take as far as matching routes up with protections and turning it into a play. So here's McCarthy. The protection call, outstanding. The crossing route concept coming from the other side, it's an outstanding selection by him. And with that, the execution is fantastic. It's one of the greatest plays that you'll ever see in that final two minute, we call the final eight situation for us. But the orchestration and the protection of the call, the route concept, great, great job with it. So did McCarthy call any of that? I'm not sure. 
Well, he might have called it, but Cobb thought maybe Rodgers didn't hear the call. So he basically had to make something up on the fly. Here's what Cobb said. He gave Jared and Devontae routes, and then he was running out of time, so he told me and Trevor Davis just to run out and go left. How about that for a play call? Just run out and go left. Um, Cobb went on to say, it's not the first time it's happened. It's the first time it's happened in that kind of moment. Here's what Rodgers said on Sunday. We just moved the pocket a little bit there. We had Devontae kind of clearing out, Cookie and Cobby coming from the backside. It worked out the way we were hoping it would protection-wise. Lane, as in Lane Taylor, Lane was out there in front blocking for me, and I took my eyes back inside to Randall, thought about throwing it to him, and that allowed Cookie to get on the backside of the defender. He made a great catch. Rodgers asks if he's ever made a better throw in his career. I've made better ones, and I think I've made more athletic plays, but that was a combination of just a good protection and just being patient outside of the pocket and then putting the ball where I wanted to and Cookie making a phenomenal catch. And here's Jared Cook in the play from Sunday. I saw him rolling to the left and was underneath coverage up under me, and he knew if I got over the top of him that Aaron would put the ball in the right place. He put it right in the sideline with enough room for me to get my feet down. It was a heck of a throw by him rolling to his left. It was a great catch by, by Cook. And I remember when Green Bay signed him, the people who, who I talked to who had, who had uh, been around Cook throughout his career, talked to a scout, said, great physical talent. It's just never all added up to him. And he wasn't sure if it was you know, bad quarterbacks throughout his career or if Cook was just going to be nothing more than a perennial tease, capable of doing great things and never really actually doing it. Well, I think we're seeing that now. He's been unbelievable here down the last five games or so. He's been a, a huge factor. Cook wears size 15 shoes. If he has size 16, maybe he's out of bounds. But unbelievable awareness, given the moment there and everything at stake, to make that catch and get down and keep both feet. And, and, make, and not only that, you're, you're concentrating on the feet, but don't juggle the ball. I mean, if any juggle that ball there, I mean, he is so close to the sideline and the momentum is taking him out of bounds. I mean, he's, he's he'll probably be called incomplete, but great play by Cook and a great play in Packers history, setting up Mason Crosby, who we'll get into here in a little bit. But first, it's second down. First of all, see injuries. Safety Morgan Burnett played, uh, I believe, 16 snaps and dropped out. Not sure why. It was a thigh injury, and I assume it came from the injury when he collided with Ladarius Gunter early in the game. Not, not really sure. We waited around Burnett's locker yesterday. He came out, um, got dressed, kind of walked toward the training room. Usually when they do that, maybe they forgot a pair of socks or something. So he came back. So you usually wait there and they usually come back. Well, five minutes later, he just left the building. So, um, so obviously the Packers need him, right? I mean, that's a, a no-brainer comment. And I wonder if Ladarius Gunter got hurt, too. I mean, obviously, he got shaken up, but I wonder if he got hurt and it affected his play. Gunter didn't play well. Part of that is because it's one-on-one -on -one coverage against Des Bryant. Look, I mean, Bryant's going to beat most guys in that, and he beat Gunter like a drum. Nine catches, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Ran past Gunter for a 40-yard touchdown in the second quarter. Then an the easy pitch and catch for that second touchdown. You know, even at his best, 
Gunter's got those limitations, and that showed up on that touchdown, the 40-yard touchdown. They need him against uh, Julio Jones next week. Again, obvious question or obvious point I just made. So we'll see what he does at practice this week. Demarius Randall, terrible. I don't know what else to say about it. He played a good game against the Giants. He showed you some flashes. He came back the following day talking to us, feeling as confident as he had all year about his health and everything else. Didn't play well. I mean, he had, obviously he drew the, the easier card with Terrence Williams and you know Bryce Butler. But I go with that last touchdown at the end of the game by Dallas. The touchdown to Witten. He kind of gives him a little push at the line of scrimmage, and then he just lets him go. And 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 uh, Witten runs a little slant for an uncontested touchdown at the goal line. How does that happen? How do you? It is just terrible. You know, maybe now I, I should. You know, maybe he's got run assignment on that, and he and he and he needed to keep with his run assignments there, and it didn't follow him, but. At least be aggressive at the line of scrimmage with the tight. I mean, you just don't let the guy run scot-free into the end zone. I don't know. Again, I probably shouldn't have said that because I don't know the defensive assignments, and that's the trouble that you get into. But you don't know the assignments, and you assume something, and maybe that wasn't the design. But I don't know. It just didn't look good. He's going to have to play. I mean, he's going to get Muhammad Sanu. Sanu's a big physical guy, and Randall, well, there's all these injuries that he's got. I mean, he's had groin surgery. He's been on the injury report with a shoulder. He's been on the, in, on the injury report with a knee. He went on the injury report this week with a foot. I mean, it's four injuries, and maybe that's just all worn him down. But he's not, he is not a physical player. He's going to go up with Muhammad Sanu, who is physical. Because Gunter's obviously going to take Julio Jones. And I don't know, maybe Quinton Rollins will be back from that concussion to be a factor. But, you know, seriously, what, what has Quinton Rollins done this year? So they, they've got big, 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 big issues. And Mike, well, this is for later, but Micah Hyde's going to have the, the slot guy, and they're going to need Randall to play the game of his life on Sunday. Micah Hyde, another good game. The inter- Well, he first he had the sack. He beats, he beats Jason Witten for a sack. And then he gets the interception. Green Bay played nickel defense basically the entire game, which puts Hyde into a, a big-time run-defending role. He did pretty well. It's safety without Burnett. Uh, Kentrell Bryce literally hit or miss. When, when he hits somebody, he hits somebody. Hit a team high, six solo tackles. Also dropped an interception. He's certainly not always perfect. He will. He makes his share of mistakes, but man, there's a lot of upside there. Hot and Clinton Dix, pretty quiet game. Maybe that's because Burnett's not there. Maybe that's because uh, teams shy away from throwing in his direction because he's got five picks. Pretty quiet day. The run defense. Ezekiel Elliott, 22 carries, 125 yards. Not good. It's not bad, right? I mean, he didn't kill him. And Green Bay, like I said, Green Bay played, I think, five snaps of base defense the entire game. So, basically, they, they invited the Cowboys to run the ball. And they were good enough, I think, I think good enough to where they forced the Cowboys into some third and longs, especially the first half. I think Dallas was two out of six on third down. And it really helped Green Bay take control. So they're probably good enough considering, look, I mean, Elliott ran over everybody all year. What's, what's 125 yards against the Packers, right? 
Uh, D-line-wise, I thought Kenny Clark was the best player. I had him for two pressures. Had the great tackle for loss on a screen. He set up Nick Perry's sack by keeping Prescott in the pocket. Pro Football Focus sends us a bunch of stats after the game. And I put those into the premium forums over at Packer Report. Um, they've got Clark as their highest graded defensive tackle in the entire league the last four weeks. How about that? During that span, two quarterback hits, six quarterback hurries. So he's been terrific. And you juxtapose Clark's play. Clark's playing more and more and playing better and better with that of fellow rookies Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackerel. Fackerel, the third-round pick, outside linebacker, no snaps on defense, first time all year, where he was active but didn't play on defense. Fourth-round pick, Blake Martinez, the inside linebacker, one snap. And that's going to be the case on, on Sunday, too. I, Martinez showed such promise in camp. He looked decent, pretty good at the start of the year. He has just fallen by the wayside. I read that he had that missed tackle on Will Ty's big catch run against the Giants last week. He's, this will be a big offseason for him coming up. Because right now he is clearly not good enough to play for a defense that isn't very good. I mean, the inside linebackers, Joe Thomas and Jake Ryan Thomas, will be huge against Atlanta. He is obviously the one guy who can run and cover guys. You put him against a Devontae Freeman, he's going to have to have a really big game. And you hope that the back injury that he's been playing through doesn't bother him too much. Jake Ryan just gets run over by Dak Prescott in that two-point play. Ryan's played some pretty good football down the stretch. That was not his finest moment. It seemed like he hesitated about it in that. You can't hesitate. You can't hesitate at the two-year-old. You just got to go. And Clay Matthews, an outside linebacker, did absolutely nothing. Gets the left tackle Tyron Smith, which is probably what you'd expect. Smith is great. But at the end of the game, he runs an inside stunt, hits Prescott, just as Prescott's throwing. And I don't know how much it impacted Prescott's pass, but uh, Nick Perry batted it down for a huge third-down stop. Forces the Cowboys to kick that field goal at the end of the game, and that sets up Aaron Rodgers' end-of-game heroics. All right, third down, the special teams. Obviously, Mason Crosby, the story here. 56-yard field goal to tie the game. A 51-yarder to win it. Crosby said he's watched that play about 10 times. Can't blame him, right? Wouldn't you? (laughs) I'd I'd watch that all day if that was me. It was the longest game-winning field goal in NFL history as far as the playoff game goes. The first time in NFL history, there are more than 250 yarders at any point in a playoff game. Of course, those three came in the final minute and a half, basically. And the first time all season, there are more than 250-yard field goals. Of course, Crosby and Dan Bailey each hit two, so there are four. And they made it the third time in NFL history, there were four field goals of 50-plus yards. And the first time that ever happened in a playoff game. The 56-yarder, as you probably can probably see in your own eye, it's drifting right, it's drifting right, it's drifting right, and just kind of sneaks into that corner uh, between the crossbar and right upright. Interesting, you know, we're, when we're up at Lambeau Field in the press box, I don't watch the kick because, you know, we're on the side. I, I can't type the goals in half the time anyway, but I watch Crosby and, and Holder Jacob Shum. And if Crosby kicks the ball and he knows it's good, it's an immediate slap of the hands of the shum to celebrate it. Not this one. Crosby is watching that sucker all the way to the goalpost. 
And then the 51 yarder to win the game. Again, you can see this in your mind's eye too. That ball is hit headed for that left upright. And I, I'm watching it. I was, it was a home game for me. I, I didn't go. I, I will be in Atlanta. I did not go to this game because I pay my own way. But I'm watching that on TV, and probably like you, I'm thinking, that's going to hit the upright. And you're wondering, is it going to bounce in or is it going to bounce out? And instead, like some of my drives when I play golf, some of my mishit drives, which start going one way and then kind of straighten themselves out and you get a really good shot out of it. That sucker veered right about halfway and splits the uprights. One well, didn't split them, but got in there for the field goal and Green Bay wins. Crosby's reaction, just priceless. And I've got a couple pictures of it, a couple pictures of it up over at Packer Report. I'm going to probably get a photo gallery of it this morning after I get the podcast posted. No celebration from Crosby. Just buckles at the knees. And in the picture with it's it's, it's like Jake Shuma's is um Pat is uh consoling Crosby for missing. That's the reaction you get on the, on the still picture. Obviously, Crosby knows he made it, but here's Crosby. That's my biggest kick that I've had and I've had in my 10-year career here. To be able to have a 51-yarder in the divisional playoffs down in Dallas, which is close to his hometown. Such a big game like that, it was special. So I got a strip. I got a story on Crosby, a pack reporter, a free story. I know Ryan Wood from the Press Gazette wrote one, and I think Wes Hodkowitz, my good friend from Packers.com, wrote one as well. With uh, A, the big kicks, and then B, um, his sister-in-law has ovarian cancer. She's 27. Look, nobody should have cancer, right? It's the most evil, I almost said a bad word there, Almost, it's the most evil thing in the world. And to be 27 and battling cancer is just like 100 times worse. So, obviously, she, she's on his mind. A, a uh, newly diagnosed just sort of chemotherapy. He was wearing a greenish, purplish um, bracelet. I thought it was purple. Jason Wildey gave me crap. Go to the, went to the website. It said it was teal. Ryan Wood had green. So, we have three colorblind reporters telling you what color the thing is. But it's, it's a bracelet saying, we stand together. I believe that's what it says. So kind of a, a cool story on Crosby with the hometown angle, the big kicks and all that. Um, the other part of the special teams, punter Jake Shum. Boy, has he been good. He loses the net punting battle here to uh, Dallas' Chris Jones, but not by much. 47.5 to 45.3. Um, Shum had come into this game. He'd won the net punt five of the last seven games. This goes down as a loss, but... You take 45 point through with a 66-yard touchback every day of the week. He's punting really, really well. Who's not doing well? Running back Christian Michael on returns. He obviously muffs the kick and then picks it up and runs it out to the six. I'd be surprised if he's back there next week. I don't know. I don't know what they do. You know, Jeff Janis is one. Maybe you put Montgomery back there, but he's your starting running back, and I, I don't know what you do in that on that phase, but. It's now two muffs for Michael. And, and you, you can't screw up in, in games like this. You, you just can't screw it up. So I, I don't know how I know how you feel about him, but I don't know how you feel about anybody else either. So, I, I mean, you feel good about Montgomery. You feel good about Micah Hyde. But they have so much in their plates as it is. I, I don't know if that's the answer either. So it'll be interesting. We'll have special teams coordinator Ron Zook, I assume, on Thursday. We always do, but... Uh, the NFL runs these championship games, not the Packers, so I'm not sure what our media availability will be, but 
I will definitely be asking uh, Zook about that on Thursday if we talk. All right, fourth down, just a couple really quick odds and ends because this podcast is really long already, and I try not to have you guys suffer through 40 minutes of me. I think 30 minutes is as much of me as anybody can handle. Even my dogs can't handle me for more than 30 minutes. They're with me, and they say, well, screw you, buddy. We're out of here. Well, I'm going to go chew on a bone. <laughs> so, But look at the final four teams here. Atlanta, Green Bay, New England, Pittsburgh. How about that for quarterbacks? Matt Ryan, the, the loser of the bunch, no, no Super Bowl rings. Brady's got, what, four? Roethlisberger's got two. Rodgers has one. So merely seven Super Bowl championships. Passer rating. Matt Ryan, first in the league, 117.1. Tom Brady, second in the league, 112.2. Aaron Rodgers, fourth in the league, 104.2. Ben Roethlisberger stinks, 11th in the league, 95.4. Quarterbacks by touchdown percentage. Matt Ryan first. Aaron Rodgers second. Tom Brady third. Ben Roethlisberger sixth. Not bad. This is there's going to be a lot of points scored this weekend. And defense wins championships, they say. And even this offense first era of the NFL, it really has been defenses that win. And defense is why I took the Giants in that first game. is why I took the Cowboys in the second game. I thought at some point defenses are going to win games because it always does. I mean, Denver won the Super Bowl last year with Peyton Manning. Enough said. But it's been offense, 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 offense. I mean, Atlanta and Green Bay don't play any. I mean, New England does play some defense. And Pittsburgh, yeah, they hit you hard anyways. The first game, um, moving on to the, the first game against Atlanta, look at the injury report for the Packers. This is their inactives list for that first game. They lost 33-32 to with this. The seven players who are out, Randall Cobb, Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, James Starks, Clay Matthews, Ty Montgomery, Jared Cook. You would start a damn good football team with those seven guys. And I realize James Starks has fallen by the wayside, but <laughs> that's a lot of firepower to lose 33-32. to And the Falcons are a four-point favorite for Sunday. Man, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for this game. I... It's why you get in this business. You go in this business for big football games, and I cannot wait to plot my butt down in that press box seat at 2.05 for Sunday's kickoff. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. I sincerely appreciate it. I would not be here without you. I tell you that every day. I wouldn't talk Packers by myself for a half hour, so thanks for listening. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.